0: Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Volani, news director Lori Brooks, and now from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis.
1: Welcome. Grab your pet, bring them around the radio. They love Animal Radio too. Uh, we'll be going to the phones for your calls. They have to talk to Dr. Debbie or Joey Volani. Big show today. Big, big show. Denise James will be joining us. And I'm just going to call her the crazy animal lady. Is that okay with everybody here? Hey,
2: I don't know that I, I think she would approve that. Yeah, I, I don't And like I don't that. know that I do either. Well, no. she's
1: she's not a doctor and she's not a professor. I, I can't really uh, engage that way. But she just loves animals a lot.
2: So, do you call her okay. The- Animal an
0: mother.
1: animal enthusiast. Okay. Yes. An- there you go. Animal enthusiast. Yes. <laughs> Denise James will be joining us later in the show. I understand she's going to be talking about how animals influence technology. Also on the show today, we're going to be talking opossum. Possum and opossum, uh, which are two different animals, I believe. We'll find out a little more in just a few minutes. There's a young lady who's uh she's into her possums. Leah Murray. She has a possum rescue if I'm not mistaken. She has a little possum named Cricket who's... I'll hold up the picture of Cricket here. This possum is eating a bowl of Froot Loops.
3: <laughs> I think that video went viral.
1: Oh, is there a video? Yes. Oh.
3: Oh, yes. Oh, I'll
1: have to see it. Oh, I watched it. Can we put a link over at our webpage? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. If you haven't seen this video that Judy's talking about, as soon as the commercial comes on, I'm going to go check it out myself because I have not seen it yet. And I love opossums. I think they're the cutest little critters around. Ferrets. And sloths. I love sloths.
2: I don't see many sloths in in practice nor in the wild out here. But yeah, uh...
1: probably not.
2: <laughs> uh, but
1: I, I love them nonetheless. And pictures of them, too. Um, but this isn't about what I love. Sparkly things and birds. I love birds. Okay, how I You're like going pretty way birds. off.
4: Yes. Well, I
3: like birds. Let's get rain you
4: back in.
1: Well, this is the show about the animals that you love. And if you want to talk to Dr. Debbie or Joey Volani right now, Hey, Wendy, welcome to the show.
4: Hi, thank you for taking my call. Hi, Dr. Debbie.
1: Well, hi. What's going on?
4: Well, I've had a cat. I've had two cats. Uh, they're both the same same in age. I got one one year, then I got the next one the next year. I've had them both for 12 years. They get along relatively well. They don't hate each other. They don't love each other. They tolerate each other. However, it seems like around August or September, um, one of the cats, male cat is neutered, starts spraying the floor and the couch primarily actually i need to bring this up where he sprays is primarily where my husband sits my husband is Mm -hmm. not the primary caregiver i am my husband's a little more aggressive bigger guy um and so i'm just wondering if it has something to do with my husband or a territorial between the two cats Mm -hmm. or anything else
2: is anything, if, it, if there's a season, season change to this when you're noticing, is there anything else changing in the home? Are there household schedules changing? Do you have kids coming or going? Um, uh, work schedules changing?
4: No, nothing like that. Just the two of us.
2: Okay. Because that would be hard if there were some changes. Like often I will see cats that will do this kind of back to school. You know, kids go back to school. The whole household dynamics have changed. So we may see some elimination problems as a result of that. So it is possible that he is in some way, um, you know, trying to mark your husband or your husband's uh, territory. Um, So that might be kind of an intriguing angle that I would start with first, um, especially if he's not a real catty person, you know, like he's not a cat lover. He's a dog lover. Offer, um, then we might actually turn over a lot of the pet care to him when it comes to feeding. So instead of having an open food bowl out, I would ask your husband very nicely to um, feed the kitties twice a day. Um, they may have food at other times, but we want to have that be the majority of the food presentation is by him um, to see if that can help in some ways. But then we've got to deal with some of the other structural things here. If it is a particular area that they're working on, um, then there's a couple things I would do. One would be I tried to make the area unappealing for the kitty to um, either approach or to mark on. So double-sided sticky tape is one of my favorite things for the kitties that kind of come up along because oftentimes they're going to kind of scratch on the area first, uh, rub on it. Um, So that will be one thing to kind of keep them off the area or the static mats, the, the kind of the shock mats those two can kind of keep them away from the area Um, and even I've had some luck with the compressed air uh, the motion activated compressed air to keep the kitties away from that area just to break that cycle so we don't have that repetition of the behavior the more that the kitty is marking and um, urinating there that's kind of perpetuating that behavior for the future so we've got to we've got to stop that there um, and then make sure we're also not missing anything that's changing in the environment, um, you know, whether it's a change in the um, traffic flow to the litter box. Um, so adding extra litter boxes, taking covers off, and I switch out the the different types of the litters as well. And, um, and then, you know, sometimes even kitty pheromones can kind of help um, to kind of calm kitties. So um, I'll put those in the same room where the couch is at. The other thing you can try is um, sometimes um, plastics or um, aluminum foil are just kind of um, make bad sounds when cats pee on them. So it can also be a way to, to keep them away from those with it are a little bit kinder and gentler methods. So. Yeah, he's
4: actually learned to take the foil off the couch. He kind of goes oh, around so you, it and then pees on it. Ah,
2: oh my gosh, so you have a thinker at, there.
4: The <laughs> thing I want to add, though, maybe, and I've been telling my husband as we go round and round, is one of the cats, Angel is a good cat, she likes to play chase. He'll go behind her and chase her up the stairs. She loves it. The other cat, Petey, who's the problem cat, my husband does that with him. He, I'm telling him he doesn't like it. I can just see the look in his eyes like my husband's trying to be domineering. And uh-huh. so I told my husband, if you stop doing that, maybe he'll stop peeing on that area. Mm-hmm. My husband doesn't believe that because the cat comes to him, sits on his lap, but then when it's time to leave the room and go to bed, my husband will start this "Let's go to bed and kind of push the cat with his foot.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Um, but, well, and I'd say if the kitty's body language is that, that she, he does not enjoy that, his you know he's not uh, his tail is swishing back and forth, his ears are down, well, if well, he's, he's not, not having
4: it. He just kind of looks, he, he starts walking forward, but you can see he's not real thrilled about it. Like the other cat's like, oh, yes, let's play chase, let's go run up the stairs, and she's all happy. And the other cat's like, you know, a child, that you're telling him to go to bed, and the kid's like, no, I want to stay up, not going to bed now. Uh-huh. Way this, yeah. Petey is trying to tell him that. And I said, just leave him alone, just go upstairs, and then, you know, he'll be up later kind of thing. And that's yeah. kind of what, at, what started it. Uh, he had it stopped for about a month, and then he stopped peeing, then he did it again, and now the cat's peeing again, and he refuses to believe that he's the instigator of this problem.
2: <laughs> okay. this I'll solve this problem, Wendy. You can tell him the doctor said he has to stop this behavior.
4: <laughs> yeah, I wish I had a for this because he'll probably say, oh, you know, this cat should do what I... Him to do because I'm the master of the house, you know this and that. Yeah, exactly.
1: Have you yeah. thought of getting rid of your husband?
4: Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <how? laughs> well, <laughs> sometimes I don't know. You know, he gets to be like a stubborn cat, like a big tiger that you can't train. Yeah.
2: Well, the other thing, if your husband does want to make this some kind of a nighttime play thing, let's try to get something else involved rather than it just be him chasing the cat. If we can get a kind of a crinkle ball, um something else that makes a kind of cool sound. If it's a cat treat, a box that you can shake kind of have him change the game um, slightly so it's not so antagonizing and it's something more rewarding for the kitty because that's all we need to do cats you know
4: to motivate them
2: we just got to understand what they really want and what they want is what they want (laughs) maybe food one moment
4: they want to do you know they don't want you to tell them when they're supposed to do something you got it that i've get. i had cats for 20 some years so i know their behavior but this one is the only one that's been peeing and spraying and i've you know and getting to the point where it's just every day you have to mop the floor unless he's telling me your housekeeping is not good, which is possible. (laughs) The floor is mopped every day. I'm just kind of over it. Well,
2: I I think we need to do some of those little deterrents for the areas and then um, work on training the husband.
4: Yeah, I have, (laughs) like I said, I have covered the couches. I started a couple days ago with uh, carpet runners with the points up and that seems to deter it, but he just sprayed on the floor instead. He's intent on marketing.
2: Well, if that is continuing, then give me a follow-up call, and um, we can try to work through some other issues there, um, maybe with the husband and (laughs) maybe with the environment
1: as well. All righty. Well,
4: thank you so much for taking my call.
1: Yes, by all means. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Red Barn. And during these uncertain times, Red Barn is grateful for the consistent love and joy our pets bring into our lives. Now diligently working alongside their pet parents, your dog deserves a break in between video chat appearances and lap sitting. Red Barn chews are the natural way to distract your dog during the day or give their paws a break from typing up emails. Thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app. For iPhone and Android.
5: Hi, it's Alan Cable with another dog tip. Change is stressful for you, so imagine how it is for your dog. Things like moving to a new place or moving in with someone. And yeah, how about bringing home that new baby? When you do that, you're adding a new member to the pack. A lot of folks bring a new baby home and actually shut their dogs out. Give them less attention. Get anxious when the dog moves close to the baby. The dog will associate the baby with negative feelings, and your anxious energy will make the dog feel unstable. You don't want that, so let's talk about bringing that new baby home. First, as always, you want the dog to know that the baby Baby is higher in the pack order. You want to teach your dog to respect the baby, and you do this with space. Well, and what does that mean? The baby has a space the dog's not allowed into, like a nursery. You know your baby's coming, the dog doesn't. So when you set up your nursery, it's a great idea not to let your dog in that room. Long before the baby comes home, you're telling the dog that the baby is higher in the pack order. You teach your dog that that room's off limits. Try to keep the same structure you had before. If you take your dog on walks, and you should, keep doing it, but do it with the baby. You can even practice with an empty stroller before the baby comes home. And remember, the dog walks behind the stroller or at your side, never in front. When you enter your house, you're always in front of the dog. Since you're carrying the baby, that again reinforces that the baby is higher in the pack order. Now once you have your baby, have a member of your family bring one of the baby's t-shirts home. It's got the baby's scent all over it. Put it on the floor, but don't let your dog get near it. Trust me, he can smell it fine from a couple of feet away. After that, you can pick it up and let him get a little closer, but don't let him touch it. Then just go throw it on the floor in the nursery. Again, this is teaching space and respect. Now, the day you bring the baby home, you want to be calm and confident. And you also want to make sure your dog's real tired out before you do it. Have somebody take him for a long walk or play with him. A tired dog is a calm dog. Act like you've come home with the baby a million times before. No big deal. You're calm and confident. And never let your dog invade your space or the baby's. With just a little thought and planning, your dog will give your baby space and respect.
0: Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for
6: iPhone and Android. This is a time-sensitive message from the Back Pain Relief Hotline. Millions of people across the nation are suffering from back pain. Are you? Are you on Medicare? Is it hard to walk, to bend over, or even do simple things? Well, we have great news. If you're on Medicare, you could qualify to receive a pain-relieving back brace. We'll handle all the Medicare paperwork if you qualify and ship your new back brace right to your door. Make sure you have your Medicare card ready and please Call us right now and get all the details. It only takes a few minutes. Imagine doing everything you used to do before your back pain. With your Medicare card ready, call the Back Pain Relief Hotline today.
7: Call now. 800-254-3218. 800-254-3218. 800-254-3218. That's 800-254-3218. Paid for by the Health Alert Hotline. Hey, don't
1: forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Pets. Taking the pet out of petrified. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com.
0: Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy.
1: It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets the beginning of December, we have how many shopping days? Twenty five, twenty four shopping days. Of course, I'll start on the on New Year's Eve. Or excuse me, actually, that's when I will start is New <laughs> Year's Eve for my Christmas shopping.
3: Some people start New Year's Eve for next year. Yeah, well, you're
1: you're one of those people that you go into the store right after the holidays and you buy all those half price decorations, I've decorations seen you do that.
3: and gifts, and that way I'm already set for next year. Uh,
1: I wish I was as organized as you. I I'm certainly not. I'm me getting, too. Yeah. Have you done any of your shopping yet, Joey? No, are you nuts? <laughs> <laughs> He's just like me. We wait to the last minute, usually 7-Eleven. And I'm going to try to do something different than the air fresheners that I got everyone last year. Oh, good. I'm looking at some of the ideas on the front page of our website. We have some gift ideas for both pet lovers and their pets. Check that out at animalradio.pet. Uh, coming up in the show today, not sure exactly when, but before the end of the show today, we're going to talk to the possum lady. Is it the possum or opossum lady?
3: No, opossum. Oh. Yes.
1: Okay, so what's the difference between a possum and an opossum? Are they different? Very. Are they the same animal? Really?
8: They're, they're different Let's animals. The same animal.
2: No, they're different animals. If I remember, a possum with a P is actually out of, um, like, New Zealand. They have possums. Oh. The opossum is from um, North America, which has a totally different appearance than the possum from the other continents.
3: Yeah, I think the opossums have the long, narrow snout and possums have kind of a round face they don't have the they, long the, nose
2: yeah and the possum with a p tends to have more like it looks like a raccoony tail versus an opossum that kind of has that hairless kind of like rat-like looking tail
1: mm. okay well we're going to have an expert on to actually define the difference and uh, tell us what's going on in the world of opossums because apparently inside edition did some kind of program and now everybody's after their opossums that's what it says here.
7: What? <laughs> touched oh, in
1: years! So we're going to find out more about that coming up before the end of the show. It gives me great pleasure to present to you the Dog Father on Animal Radio. Joey Vellani. there's a big interest. What's going on? I have the spotlight on you now. I've moved the spotlight <laughs> on to you.
8: I noticed that. Yeah. I noticed that. So it's um, right in my eyes, though. So you know, aiming, um, you know, aim here's some down. shades. Put
1: on these glasses. Perfect. You're going places. Perfect.
8: I look good. I, I, I look good in shades. You so do uh, look I'll good. So you know, it always seems like things always happen all at the same time, and um, I routinely got a few um, um, emails about people that want to cut their cat's nails, and after they. <laughs> Attempt to cut them. They realized <laughs> that it might not have been a really good idea. I probably should have went to the professionals. Which I listen. I recommend it, even when you're doing dog's nails, um, it's it's one of those things that if it's not done properly, it, it could cause a lot of discomfort and sometimes injury because not only to the pet but to you because you don't know if they're going to bite you, scratch you, if they're going to jump down, if they're going to injure themselves, whatever it is, how they should be restrained. There's, there's a lot of variables that go into something that's basically very simple for a professional but could be very difficult and and very traumatic um, when when, when you're a non-professional trying to do it. But if you're one of these people and you have to do it for whatever reason. That's me. The first thing (laughs) I'm going to say under an extreme, (laughs) that's you, huh? Under an extreme situation, um, if the the nails are growing into the pads, um, go to your vet, go to your groomer, most likely a veterinarian because, you know, sometimes it could be very extreme. Sometimes it could be infected. You never know. But if you're going to do it at home just to maintain them, I recommend two people. Okay, one person that needs to scruff the cat and know how to scruff a cat properly and hold the back legs because the last thing you want them to do is to dig out a, a chunk of muscle out of your forearm with their back feet. Um and you know, restrain restrain the cat. Now you gotta remember one thing. There's one leg now that's still free and clear. So you want to make sure that, that you pay attention. Use a sharp kitty made nail clipper. A lot of people like to use um, regular home nippers that you would use on on, on on your nails. Use something that's designed to be used on the pet. And to be honest with you, just take off the tip. Then you don't have to worry about the quicks. I don't have to worry about cutting it sh- too short, making them bleed. Just take off the sharpness of the nail. And if you do that, Every four to eight weeks, and and you maintain it, um, you know. Hopefully, um, it'll be enough. But again, if you could stay away from this and leave it to the professionals, I think you'll be much happier. It's worth the ten, fifteen, twenty dollars that it cost to have it done. Trust yeah, me. Yeah.
3: We're lucky we have a cat that lets us do it. I don't even have to scruff him. I just hold him in my arms and hold out the paw. And that's Hal- not normal, huh? No, and Hal will clip it. I don't have to scruff him or anything. He just sits there.
8: Yeah. yeah. Listen, I have yeah, a bird Joey- that lets you do it too. <laughs> and, and 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 with no problem
2: Joey, I love it that you mentioned that, you know, nails growing back into the foot pads, because I see this a lot in cats, in older cats. And one of the things they get medically is they lose some of their, because of arthritis and difficulty moving around, they may not scratch um, to remove the sheaths off their nails as well. And so what happens is the the sheath, so the keratin, the kind of layers of the nail keep building up. And those I see much more commonly where they'll grow into the foot pad because they don't look like the nails long. It just looks like it's really big and thick so for elderly cats especially i would be you know i would make a recommendation to have a professional trim those nails because they they can be a little surprising
8: absolutely absolutely and, and again i mean it's something that sometimes even even the, the best professional in the world um you know you run into a you run into a bad situation when it comes to cats um so like i always say it's like grooming a moving skill saw so be careful <laughs>
1: <laughs> you don't How's need that? chain mail gauntlets and yes, vodka exactly. to do it. Okay. <laughs> we
2: don't give vodka to cats. What are you talking about? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, that's for us. Uh. <laughs> well, our cat Nike, he loves to make uh, biscuits on my belly, so we, we make sure that his nails are short, otherwise I I bleed all afternoon.
3: I, I thought you had a polka dotted shirt, Hal.
1: That's not no, that's not <laughs>
3: that's not polka dots, huh? Not.
9: This
6: is Animal Radio, baby. Attention sports fans, now you can watch every football game you want all season long without leaving your home. With Dish for about 50 bucks a month free installation as soon as tomorrow, but you gotta call All-American Dish right now.
7: 800-380-4452. 800-380-4452. 800-380-4452. That's 800-380-4452.
10: This is an Animal
11: Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of Petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified fear-free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com.
12: I'm Lori Brooks. Hoarders, you've probably seen the TV show too, but hoarders are people with a disorder that causes them to collect objects, things. But people who collect things and objects are not the same as people who collect animals. There is a new study out, which was actually published in the journal Psychiatry Research. And this study takes a look at the motivations of people who hoard animals. Why do they do it? This study suggests that animal hoarding should be classified as an independent disorder, not necessarily the same as somebody who hoards things. And they're hoping that that is true uh, so that they can develop specialized treatments to help these animal hoarders cope with their compulsion to collect animals. Animal hoarders, of course, acquire and live with dozens and sometimes even hundreds of creatures in their homes. And that causes a lot of suffering for both the hoarder and the animals. And it's unsanitary because uh, they're usually living in very poor conditions. The animals often lack adequate food and medical treatment. And though this may seem similar to object hoarding, this study says there really are several differences that may influence future treatments for animal hoarders. Object hoarders, for example, are pretty much evenly split between men and women, 50-50. But when it comes to animal hoarders, 73% of animal hoarders are women. Uh, Their motivations also differ. For example, when you talk with object hoarders, they talk about hoarding objects because, you know, I might need this one day. I could need this next week. I can still use this. But with animal hoarders, they found that the animal hoarders' thoughts are, these animals need me and I need them it's also, by the way, more difficult to help animal hoarders. And, and that's because they are really very, very suspicious. And they believe that those who want to help them and help the animals are really there to steal the animals. So it just makes everything difficult. But the study showed the average hoarder had 41 animals. But for this study, they had 33 animal hoarders that they studied. When you put all of them together... Together, they had acquired a total of 915 dogs, wow. 382 cats, and 50 ducks. And one of those hoarders alone had over 170 dogs. Wow. Did you say ducks? But, uh, it- Ducks, bad ducks too, yeah. <laughs> some some okay. have rabbits and other critters, but in the United States, this is a big problem, and especially as the population ages because it's more common among the elderly and people who are single, perhaps a spouse has died. But authorities discover in the U.S. between 900 and 2,000 cases of animal hoarding every year, and that's impacting about 250,000 dog, cats, and other creatures, and some pretty sad lives. Wow.
2: I've had a client that was a, a hoarder, and, um, and she was sweet as pie, wonderful. She tried what she could within her resources, but is obviously well beyond what she could handle. And in the end, um, thankfully, uh, somehow she did get help. Um, I think authorities came in and uh, we kind of helped her bail bail her out, get, you know, get the herd kind of thinned out. And there's so many different things that were going on. There was respiratory disease like crazy to the level I have never seen in cats. But the high density living that they, the cats were living was causing a lot of behavioral problems, the social stress and anxiety, and that weakened their immune system. So cats that normally get respiratory disease get congested. I saw cats that had plaque in their mouth um their Mm. eyes were just sealed shut i mean they were so sick to that level that once we got them separated we were able to treat many of them and they could recover but you would have thought they were dying when we Mm -hmm. saw them Mm -hmm. it's really
12: all right lighter subject okay i know all of you guys are very conscious about picking up after your pet when you're out on walks, especially you, Judy, being a dog walker. You know, what? I, um, I have
3: poop bags in every one of my pockets, on my pants, and my does. jacket. Every time I put on something, I put my hand in there and there's poop bags all over the place.
12: I'm with of you. Of course, because you're good. <laughs> a lot of people are not so good at picking up their animal's poop. Everybody has has strong thoughts on people who do not clean up after their pets. That is everyone except for the person who isn't cleaning it up. In Memphis, Tennessee, for example, there was this couple out walking their dog. I don't know if you guys saw this online, social media. But when they saw a sign in a yard, the woman took a picture, immediately posted it to social media, gained a lot of attention. But the sign said, please do not leave your huge piles of poop here anymore. And then there were, she had plastic bags attached to the signpost. And it worked. It's been two weeks already and things are going great. So that might be something that you can try. But in Memphis, pet owners uh, really need to watch out because the city, like a whole lot of other cities around the country, has an ordinance which makes it illegal. You're you're a, an offender. <laughs> illegal for pet owners to leave a pet's poop on public or private property. And, of course, in this day and age of technology, and it seems like everybody has a security camera, there are a lot of people who, you know, observe this being done. They will know exactly whose dog pooped in their yard. So just pick it up. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
1: It is Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets, whether that's a cat, a dog, or even an opossum. Although I don't know really anybody that has a pet opossum yet. Uh, What do you
2: mean? I see them at my office. Well, I figured you would. You would. Are they are they legal? Well, usually out by us, they have to have a permit to have them. But uh, yes, there are people that can have them. Are
1: they pets or are they being rehabbed?
2: The ones I see are rehabbed. Okay. So uh, yeah, it's a different situation. (laughs)
1: So to end our confusion about possums and opossums, we have Leah Murray. She manages a vet clinic in Bradenton, Florida, and she's the Opossum Pouch Medical Research Director. Welcome to the show, Leah. How are you doing?
13: Thank you very much, Hal. I'm doing wonderful. How are you?
1: Good. So tell us, what is the difference between opossum and opossum?
13: It's really the location. Um, here in the United States, we have the Didelphis virginiana, and we... Um, actually do say possum, but technically it is opossum.
1: And they're but they're different animals or just different names?
13: Um well they are different animals. In um Australia, they do have there are actually sixty five different species of opossums, believe it or not.
1: So you're an opossum pouch medical research director. Please tell me what does that mean?
13: A lot of what I do really is based upon um, finding answers to all the problems and all of the medical issues that we're having, because unlike cats and dogs and any other mammal that we um, are really familiar with treating, you you just can approach anything that you deal with with opossums the same way.
1: You have a an opossum yourself. You we just saw you on Skype holding an opossum. Was that the uh, the dwarf opossum? Yeah, you have?
13: that's yep. That's pineapple chunk. Pineapple, pineapple. chunk.
1: <laughs> I, assu- yeah,
13: pineapple.
1: <laughs> I assume he likes pineapple?
13: Uh well, yes he does, but he's not allowed to have a lot because they shouldn't have too many fruits. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, he uh but he does, really cute.
1: He does eat fruit loops, right?
13: Um that was cricket that you saw.
1: <laughs> oh that, okay, cricket eats fruit loops. She's
13: my leucistic. How many? Yeah, she's a leucistic.
1: How many do you have?
13: I have I currently have three. I just lost um one of mine about two
1: weeks ago. So sorry. How long do they live?
13: Um, In captivity, unfortunately, still only
1: about three years.
13: How long do they live in the wild? Less than two. Wow. Oh, dear. Hmm. Yeah. And so were
1: these rescues for you or were they pets?
13: Um, These, for me, are education animals. I'm not a rehabilitator, per se, or at least I try to say I'm not. (laughs) Um, I don't like to release. It's heartbreaking, but I know it's, you know, necessary. I just, that's not what I do for the organization. So I have education animals, and I do travel around to schools and um, a lot of different events that go on in the community so that I can take advantage of educating people about opossums because they're so you know, severely misunderstood and underappreciated.
1: There was, uh, there was something on Inside Edition just recently on October 25th. And, of course, we know that all these magazine shows, they, they try to glamorize and maybe even exaggerate the news a little bit to make it spectacular. Uh, what did they say?
13: Well, honestly, the takeaway message from that newscast was pretty alarming. Um, you know, <laughs> they were poking at an opossum to get a, a, a response to have it open its mouth and growl and hiss and they're really docile animals by nature, they rather just be left alone. So the takeaway message from that uh, newscast was, you know, opossums will break into your home. Um, they're going to attack you and give you typhus. And if I were just, you know, anybody in the general public, that's alarming. It's just, you know, it gives everybody a fear that is unnecessary. Um, you know, it's, really alarming because we do so much to try to protect these opossums and then to have a newscast like that and send people, you know, into a panic, um it actually will give them a justified feeling to going out and protecting their families by killing every opossum that they see. And we were mortified by that. It's just going to, you know, I feel create an onslaught of you know, ridiculous slaughter of a, of innocent opossums, and it's unnecessary. And I think something has to be done to reverse that message.
1: We are with opossum advocate Leah Murray. We got to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
14: This is Animal Radio. Try our chicken rolled food as a meal or shredded as a topper.
1: It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our opossums. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) We are with Leah Murray. She manages a vet clinic in Bradenton, Florida, and she's the opossum pouch medical research director. And she just told us a story about how Inside Edition did a story that might cause a little bit of hysteria or panic over opossums. Uh, But Dr. Debbie, you wanted to say something.
2: I wanted to just speak for a moment about like the infection, uh, the infectious disease part of it, because there is a valid message when we talk about diseases you can get from wildlife. And so things like sure. murine t- typhus is a genuine risk from not just opossums, but also from rats that might have mm-hmm. uh, um, fleas on them. So the bacteria that the fleas have pass this type of disease to people potentially. So um, for me, the message wouldn't be to try to kill every, opossum, but we don't want to really have that wildlife crossover into where we live. And so that would be the message that I would want to say is how can we make sure that the opossums enjoy their life elsewhere, not under our house, in our attic, um, having that crossover to where it can still be a valid health risk.
13: I agree. I also feel like some of the things that could have been done, they were talking about in the newscast, they showed um, a trapper that was trapping the opossums and just relocating them. Well, that doesn't do anything as far as we're concerned of helping the problem or the issue. All you did was take that opossum with those fleas that they feel are responsible for um, carrying typhus, you know, obviously through the flea feces. um, But why aren't we attacking the problem of the fleas? You know, there are so many big industries out there, like Merck, who has Brevecto that provides you know, one application provides three months of protection uh, against fleas. Like, we're just picking up these possums and maybe relocating them and taking that problem somewhere else.
1: So are you saying that we should be protecting them with the Brevecto or some kind of uh, flea I, medicine? Treat them. Treating them?
13: I Absolutely. I feel that that's one, at least that's another angle that we could look at. Sure. Um, we. I know that, for example, for Brevecto, Merck, last year, they, were, they had this product that was short dated, and so they were just selling it very, very inexpensively, in fact, giving it away. Why can't we take advantage instead of disposing of all of that valuable product, take advantage and use that into protecting our wildlife instead of making everyone afraid of it? I don't, you know, I absolutely understand that there is a concern here, but I think we need to address it differently. And not putting opossums in harm's way. Opossums aren't the only ones that have these fleas. It's the cat flea. It's the feline flea. Feral cats have it. Raccoons have them. Not just opossums, but they were targeted for this, clearly.
1: Well that's because if Inside Edition targeted cats, they would get a lot of slack.
13: <laughs> People would <laughs> speak. Up. Well, I hope that they're going I hope they're gonna get a lot of slack from this because we're very unhappy about this.
1: Okay. Well it just makes sense. Is there a website where we could learn more about what you're doing?
13: Oh, absolutely. There's the Opossum Pouch Rescue, and that's on Facebook. And then also you could go to Leah Barley Murray. That's um, our personal Facebook page.
1: Great. We'll put links over at animalradio.pet so you can learn more about these. Cute. They are so cute.
13: (laughs) Aren't they? Thank you. They're, They're amazing. There's so much people don't realize about them. You know, the fact that they're immune to venomous snake bites and it's almost impossible for them to get rabies. They eat over five thousand ticks in a season, how? Five thousand. So they're actually healthy. Lyme disease is a, yes, Lyme disease is a real threat, you know? And it's it's so frustrating that they don't get credit for all the amazing things that they do. And they should.
1: I think they're absolutely adorable. I've run into a few at night. It's been very late. I've been coming home from the bars. That's when they come out. And they usually...
13: (laughs) I used to when you come out, too. (laughs) Hal, I'm not sure those are possums.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Leah Murray, thank you so much for joining us today.
13: Thank you so much, you guys, for this opportunity. And I really hope together we can make a difference.
1: Uh, Let's head back to the phones. Hi, Candace. Hi, how are you? Very good. good. What kind of
9: critters do you have? Um, we have a pug. She's two years old, and she just had puppies eight weeks ago.
2: Oh, how wonderful. Pups.
9: Um, I was just wondering, I knew not, we noticed that she started getting spots all over her, black spots on her, she's a fawn, and she has black okay. spots on her coat, okay. if that was from her pregnancy.
2: Hmm. Now, is the dark spots, is it accompanied with hair loss? No. She, she's just turning dark, like her hair coat itself is turning dark, or her skin? Yeah, kind
9: of like just looks like a leopard
2: spot, you know? I mean, they're just it's weird. Okay. Well, we do know that female dogs, when they give birth, many of them have some very unusual hair coat changes and you know, about four weeks, even eight weeks after they give birth, a lot of them will actually lose almost all of their hair. (laughs) So there can be a real turnover and a change in the hair follicle cycle. So um, sometimes that can be where we'll see um, some pigment changes as well. Um, I'm not certain that's what you're seeing, but I would be watchful for, you know, if the hair is falling out, if there's more uh, color change that you're noticing. Um, That's usually a temporary thing, and once they've weaned the puppy, Their hair coat does restore to its normal uh, luster um, in its previous uh, density. But the other thing is we know pregnancy can weaken a pet's immune system, so we do have to watch out for things like skin mites. Uh, particularly demodex mites in pregnant dogs. We can see them break with infestations of those and even things like ringworm. Um, So um, Their immune system, you know, they're feeding all those babies so it is certainly possible we can get something like that that really kind of takes opportunity. It might be a a situation where I would recommend you see the veterinarian and have a couple of quick skin tests done to see if that might be the situation um, for your baby there. Um, But if it's not and it's just this other stuff, it should be a temporary thing and, and and hopefully be back to normal once those babies are um, off in their happy homes. How many babies you got?
9: Six. Six? Six. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. Aw, wonderful. And is she being a good mom, taking care of those guys? She's
9: a really good mom. Yes, she is.
2: Fabulous. Well, hopefully, yeah, that's, like I said, all, all you're dealing with there. And make sure you get those babies into the vet. Six weeks is when the first puppy shots we want to be talking about do, and, uh, as well as regular deworming. So.
3: Already done All right. <laughs> well, best
2: wishes you. to you. And uh, take care of those babes. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, Candace.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis.
1: If you love your animals, or just love animals in general, this is your show, and especially this hour, Denise James, the animal enthusiast. I've been instructed to call her, will be joining us. And what is her specialty? She just loves animals, and she loves to talk about animals. You, you couldn't get her to stop talking to you last week on the phone about animals. She I just know. called you up and just yapped forever?
9: Yes. We, st- we
3: just talked and talked. You know, the animal is a connection that you have with other animal lovers. It just brings everybody together. It is,
1: and it's nonpartisan. Yes. You don't have to be red or blue. You can love animals either way, and and it does bring everybody together. And that's kind of nice. I agree. Yeah. If you want to celebrate your animal, we'd love to hear from you from the free animal radio app for iPhone, Android, and Blackberry. The AVMA has just released the latest stats on pet ownership and veterinary care. This came in this morning to my email box, so this should be pretty new. Uh, pet ownership, and this is no surprise, pet ownership is on the rise in the United States with dogs leading the way. And large increases in the number of less traditional pets like lizards. Yes, and,
3: I would have to agree.
1: And poultry—they put poultry here. I think they mean chickens, chickens, don't they?
3: Yeah, chickens are real popular
1: now. A lot of yeah. pe- a lot of people are getting chickens, not only as pets but for the eggs. Yeah. Do you see chickens there at the office?
2: We do, and I'd have to say the majority of them are pets, <laughs> believe it or not. So, um, they may also, you know, collect the eggs, but a lot of people really are drawn to the having them as pets and they keep them oftentimes even indoors that they have just these cool little personalities. Um, and I'd have to say in my office, um, granted, my office, we see exotic animals. So the proportion is different, but we see, I'd say 15% of our caseload is, um, exotic species and maybe wow. 70% are dogs and the other, I don't know, 15% or so would probably be cats. I guess. Why but do you dogs? think?
1: Why do you think more people are choosing these exotic animals over uh, uh, cats and dogs?
2: I think a lot of reasons. Um, Sometimes space limitations, you know, living in apartments, um, young folks that, you know, maybe don't want to be tied down, want to travel, and they can have a pet that, you know, can be fed every couple days or maybe that, you know, doesn't require a lot of cost of upkeep with boarding the animal somewhere. Um, And I think some of it is just cool. Um, It seems that younger people are interested in things that are different than them, Um, things that make them question and learn. And I think that's one of the big attractions interactions with younger people now is that they're really just like, wow, this is just a really interesting thing to learn about this lizard that came from South America and how it lives and how I can best take care of it. And I think that's very inspiring for them.
1: Mm, sure. If you missed last hour, we uh, talked about possums, opossums, and the young lady who had uh, uh, her own opossums, Leah Murray. She, that's a very exotic animal. So going back to this survey here, nearly 57% of U.S. households own a pet. Fifty-seven percent, wow, more that, than half. That's big. That, yeah. yeah. So, what do you think are the top pet owning states? What do you? Ooh. I'm going to let you uh, y'all guess there because I think you're going to be wrong.
3: I'm going to say California.
1: And I'm talking about the top pet owning states.
2: Yeah. I'm going to say Florida. Or that was one yeah. of my yeah. Or, or, yeah. or California. I'd have to say Cali- those two. Well,
3: I was going to say Florida next. Yeah, and then I was going to say New York.
1: You see, that would all make sense because these are highly populous areas in the yeah, country. Yeah, but
3: they're warm. You figure people get out with animals. And, okay. I don't know.
1: Well, it happens to be that the top pet-owning state mm-hmm. with the most households that have pets mm-hmm. is Wyoming. What? Wyoming. Really? <laughs> Isn't that, followed by West Virginia, Nebraska, huh. and Vermont. So I guess and it, my, my first thought there is that maybe they're including chickens. They're including all of the animals Maybe that...
3: horses and stuff like that is my thought.
1: What do you think is the lowest state of pet ownership? Nevada. <laughs> really?
3: I don't know. I think... Uh, no. I, I'm just joking. I, uh, I don't know. Um... North Dakota.
1: North Dakota. Yeah. Huh. Rhode Island actually tops the list. Of That's a, a
3: small state. It though. is a
1: small state. Followed by South Dakota.
3: Do they do it by percentage-wise? Yes,
1: they do do it by percentage-wise. Really? Wow. Uh, and then followed by New Jersey... Illinois, Maryland, and New York. New York. But, you know, obviously a lot of people. New York's a tough state to live with animals.
3: Well, see, I know, but you see them all walking down the sidewalk with their little fancy pooches and stuff. (laughs) You do. In the movies, they all have animals.
1: (laughs) This uh, research just came out from the AVMA, and what research we have from this that they've shared with us, we'll post over at the website, and you can see how you fit in wherever you are across the nation as a pet lover. We know you're pet lovers, and that's all that matters. And thank you for coming here and listening to Animal Radio. Uh, let's go to the phones. For Dr. Debbie, we have a medical question from Leona. Hi, Leona. Welcome to the show. Hi. Where are you calling from today?
10: Bayport, Michigan.
1: Bayport, Michigan. Getting cold up there, I bet, huh?
10: Yes, it is.
1: Okay. We'll send our warmth your way. What's going on with your animal? I have the doc here.
10: Hi. he's like, Hi. He's like eight years old, and he got cataracts. And his eye, about six months ago, I took him to the vet, and they said the other eye was totally clear. That one was really bad, so he gave me some kind of drops to put in there. Um, uh-huh. Now, it's like six months later, his other eye is just totally cataract. Oh, and the goodness. vet told me it was like $5,000 for surgery. And I was wondering if there was any kind of uh, veterinarian school or anything that would... Do it at, you know, cheaper costs.
9: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. Well, and that definitely is a very big surgery to have done. Let me ask you also, so you took the baby to the vet. Did they check him for diabetes? Yes, they did. He doesn't
9: have it.
2: Okay. Fabulous. Because that's the one thing we talk about with cataracts when they develop is very commonly, especially in poodles, we can often see them secondary to diabetes. Yeah, but they can happen on their own definitely um now and how is your doggie getting along with those cataracts how's his vision uh, and how's he maneuvering he's walking
10: into walls and everything yeah it's terrible yeah okay
2: and, and that's the trick, is with cataracts, you know, with some dogs, when it's gradually develops, they can actually maneuver pretty well as long as they don't change their world and change their environment. Um, if they're a little bit more sudden in their onset, then it can be a little bit more of a shock to the system for them to get used to the world that they live in without vision. But, um, you know, there are many dogs that can do wonderful with cataracts and, and the lack of their vision. So you had asked as far as, you know, cost wise, and if there's a low cost um, option for that. And um, in Michigan, I, you know, I can't say whether a vet school would necessarily be cheaper, um, but they are teaching hospitals. So that, you know, might be something to look into. Um, and I do know that there is a Michigan state <laughs> that you might want to check into. I think it's an East Lansing, Michigan. So, but I certainly couldn't comment whether or not they would offer low cost surgery, um, Um, But when you're having this type of surgery done, I think we all have to recognize cataract surgery in dogs is done by board-certified veterinary ophthalmologists. So the average doc, like myself, can't do this. It takes special equipment, special training. So it does tend to end up being a pretty big ticket item. Um, but that being said, in a specialist's hands, this kind of surgery can be wonderful. And in many cases, I know our local veterinarians that do this, um, you know, 80, 80 to 90% of the dogs have fabulous return to vision. Um, so it, it, is, it has its great uh, benefits there. Now, some other options you might look into and they have served us well here in Las Vegas um, Are there There are some different funds that may be available for your situation um, if the ophthalmologist is an AHA certified hospital they may have the helping pets fund um, and that is something that you would have to apply to um, get approved for um, show financial need and in many cases that can help offset the cost or even in some cases cover the cost of some of these surgeries that are Kind of a, a one-time big-ticket item. Um, yeah. There's some other funds out there called the pet fund, um, as well as some others. So if you Google that, if you have computer access, there may be some of those options that can help you. Um, you know, see okay. if your baby can restore some vision. But if not, Leona, you know there are a lot of doggies that can do well. Um, I have some tips with that. Um, you want to make sure you don't change the household environment too much. If you have runners or carpets, uh, area rugs that help with the texture and the feel. A blind dog will find their way around better if you can give them a sort of path to follow. And that might be by texture, by a a rug. It can also be by scent. And I had one client who recently used uh, lavender um, and vanilla to help guide the dog to certain areas in the home. So they kind of scent marked where the food bowl was. They scent marked where the door was with different scents. And that actually helps the dog find her way through the home. So, you know, all's not lost if her vision is lost.
10: That, that that's what I was really worried about because uh, we live on 44 acres, and I'm afraid of her going out in the because it's like wooded. I'm afraid of her going yeah. out in the woods and uh, getting oh, wow. lost. <laughs> I'm about to find her.
2: Yeah, and I'd have to say a blind dog has no business being out in the woods alone. So that is a lifestyle yeah. adjustment. Yeah, you, you have to make that conscious decision for her, and I would not allow her unsupervised outside. That just There's too many things that could happen. And just like people in you know suburban areas, pools, horrible thing for a dog with limited vision. So you really have to have safety um, steps around that. So, yeah, no, I, I'd say you're, you're going to have to be her special caregiver and make sure that you have an indoor environment. You can keep her safe. Yeah,
10: well, I started tying her up, you know, put her on a chain when she goes out. I don't I'm, really I'm, I'm not a fan of tying her
2: up. I'd say keep the baby indoor or find her like a way you can create a, a dog pen for her. Cause um, that could be very frustrating to be tied up. Um, especially if you have limited vision and you can hear things, but you can't really kind of figure out what's in your immediate environment. So, um, okay. it, it will take special care and it will take you kind of figuring out what can work for her in her home environment. Um, but I think you have to kind of think of her as a special needs dog at this point and you can't treat her like you used to treat her or you would treat another dog. Um, So keep that in mind as you're taking care of her and, uh, you know, giving her the care she needs from here forward. So I hope that's some help for you. And, you know, check out some of those funds and, you know, uh, call around. Um, There are certainly other board-certified veterinary ophthalmologists in your area. So um, you're a consumer and uh, pick up that phone and check those out. Thank you so much for your call and give that baby a pat on the head for us here at Animal Radio.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
15: Hey everybody, this is Brett Michaels, and I just want to say, you, right now, want to take... Wait, give me the line again. My brain skipped. Uh, Brett Michaels... I just and, had one of my brain hemorrhage brain farts. Oh, go don't ahead, do that. Don't, that don't do that.
1: Time. I don't want to be responsible for that. Trust me, it's me. Go okay. ahead. Animal Radio. Brett Michaels and Animal Radio. You've got it. I knew the Animal
15: Radio. Like, okay, here we go. Hey, this is Brett Michaels. You're listening to Animal Radio, and take care of your pets they will rock your world.
1: Okay, yes. Yeah, so puppy pads are convenient, but sometimes they're really gross. That's why Ladybug, the Animal Radio Studios stunt dog, uses the Brilliant Pad self-cleaning puppy pad. It seals away the waste and replaces the dirty pad for us. Brilliant Pad keeps the Animal Radio Studios smelling fresh. In fact, all we have to do is replace the roll once every few weeks. And let me tell you, that's pretty fast and easy to do. I love it, and Ladybug gives it five paws up. You can learn more about this amazing machine over at BrilliantPad.com.
15: Hey, this is Brian DeTillo. I play Lucas Roberts on Days of Our Lives. You're listening to Animal Radio. And please don't forget to
0: have your pet spayed or neutered. That's my favorite saying from Bob Barker, by the way.
9: And now an Animal Radio News Brief. A pet lemon
11: law is going into effect. Illinois State Senator Dan uh Kauswoski's legislation is promoting a healthier pet population, and it passed the Senate. Currently, pet stores are asked to inform the buyer of a certain detail about a dog or cat, including where they're from, if they've had any medical treatment, or if they were returned to the store from another customer. But what happens if the dog or cat is ill? Or has a disease well his proposal allows a pet owner to return their new pet to the store and then get a refund if a vet confirms that the pet was purchased with an illness not disclosed by the seller consumers would also have an option to keep the animal and have the pet store pay up to twice the cost of the animal for treatment not only does this legislation protect consumers it'll also protect the pet population it'll discourage breeders and stores from selling unhealthy cats and dogs and reduce the spread of disease
9: This has been an Animal Radio News Brief. Get more at animalradio.pet.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
1: It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. And when Judy books the show, she, uh, she looks for celebrities. Celebrities that like their pets and want to share with us. She also books uh, experts, professors, authors, people that generally have a a large background in animals.
3: Or people that just have sanctuaries.
1: Yeah. But today you book somebody just because they love animals. They They wanted to talk animals. They like talking animals. So I said, okay. Why not? This is the place. Yeah. This very animated young lady, Denise James, will be joining us in a few minutes to tell us, well, I'm just going to let her talk animals. That's how we roll here at Animal Radio. Hey, Paul, how are you?
15: Uh, I got a stupid question for you.
2: A stupid um, question? <laughs>
15: I've, got, I've got seven dogs and two cats. Um, three of the dogs may eat the cat food from time to time. Okay. I switched out their litter to that Breeze uh, cat litter system, and... One of them got really sick. We figured it was because of old age. Another one got sick. He's a Dotson. We figured it was his back. And the last one, we just about lost him, just about killed him. So we went back to the cat litter. Mm-hmm. What can we do to keep the dogs from eating the poop?
2: Okay. So your your dogs are eating the cat's poop in the litter box. And are you making the assumption that that was leading to their sickness?
15: Well, I, I think it was the Breeze cat litter system, the little white pellet thing. I think okay. that is what got them sick. So we went back mm. to the uh, original cat litter that we had before, and they're still eating it, and they haven't gotten sick yet. But okay. you know, it's the fact that they're still eating a food that's kind of gross.
2: Sure, sure. And in the, in the litter system you're talking about is the Breeze one. I believe it's made by Purina, I want to say. Um, and it's supposedly a non-toxic kind of pellet where the waste, um, the liquid waste kind of falls through. And we say it's non-toxic, but just like any other non-toxic things, crayons are non-toxic. But if a child were to eat a box of them, it would make them sick. And it's, it's potent. There's always the potential with something like the pelleted systems that if a dog is ingesting them and they eat enough of them, it could give them a bellyache. Now, I'm not sure about the the bigger illnesses you're describing in there, but but uh, certainly, you know, I'd have to say any dog that's eaten poop. And in your situation, where we have dogs eating cat litter poop, um, I kind of technically call that the almond roca munchers um, because of the <laughs> oh, yeah. typical look to that. So the challenge is when we have dogs eating cat poop, we have to remember – that it's very hard to stop that behavior if they have physical access. So the number one thing we do is we work on physical barriers to prevent that. It is a rewarding behavior. There's something delectable about cat poop and... Dogs will love it, they will remember it, and they will seek it out. And the stinkier, the better. So your real challenge is going to be physical barriers. And, and I think that's kind of the, the honest truth here is there's no magic thing to feed to your cats to make the dogs not eat their poop. Um, there's a will, there's a way, and they will get to it. So one of the best techniques that I've found for people who have multiple dogs and multiple cats is to actually get a kind of semi large pet carrier where you can have a door access small enough for the cat and hopefully small enough that the dogs can't get through there. And that's one way to keep that kind of behind a physical barrier so that the doggies can't get in there. Um, And there's other ways you can do this, elevating cat bowls, I'm sorry, cat litter pans up on um, elevations uh, so that the dogs can't get in there as readily or even just not See it, because seeing it is just a temptation that they just can't pass up. Um, yeah. But there are also some citronella collars that you can use in a system to try to keep the dogs away from the barrier where the litter pan is. And, um, you know, that's a challenge. So if you've got that many critters, I'm assuming you've got a, a large area of land or home where they're all running around, huh?
15: Uh, yeah, we, we, uh, we've we got about a yard, uh, not a yard, but a uh, about a half an acre, and we put uh, the dogs on the uh, visible fence uh, system, and they seem okay. to love that. But yeah, they they go out and they run and play and everything else, but it, it's just the cat food that just kind of hurts me.
2: Yeah, and it's hard, because they come up to you and they, they want to give you that kiss, and you can just see that little clump of litter hanging off oh, their lip, and uh, yeah, it's it's hard to love that. But really, so in all in since all sincerity here, Paul, it it really is kind of coming down to the physical ways to to keep your dogs away from that litter. I've also used kind of privacy screens, so taking cardboard and cutting interesting shapes so that it hides the visual um, appearance of the litter box and kind of lets the dogs kind of forget about it a little bit. So all of these different things are what you're going to have on your hands to tackle that problem.
1: Good luck with that, Paul. If you need a follow up, please feel free to give us a call back. We want to solve that problem or help you solve that problem
0: you're listening to animal radio call the dream team now with the free animal radio app for iphone and android
4: all of us here at fido friendly magazine can't wait to get on the road again with our favorite fido we know that it's just not a vacation without our furry companions by our side Start daydreaming now and visit FidoFriendly.com to scout out places near and far so you will be ready for your next adventure once it's safe to travel. That's FidoFriendly.com. Until then, stay safe and leave no dog behind.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
7: This is Animal
1: Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. We were talking about gifts during the break—the gifts that uh, you're going to get for your cat, your dog, your ferret, your possum,
2: and oh, for yeah. your, your
1: your friendly pet-friendly friends too.
2: Well, it's a, it's a very important time of the year, and you know it's not just a holiday, but it's a very essential time to keep your pets safe in the cold weather.
1: Oh yeah, like how?
2: Well, you know, obviously sweaters <laughs> are very popular in outerwear. You know, short-haired dogs like Dachshunds or Chihuahuas very much a necess- necessity for their little thin coats. But you know, there's boots. Um, if you have a dog that spends time outside, a heated water bowl so we don't have any freezing concerns.
1: Wait, 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 wait. You would let your dog out in any any kind of temperature where the water would freeze.
2: I, well, I have a dog who loves to sit in like a bank of snow. She is a furry beast and she <laughs> loves being outside. I don't leave her unattended, but for people who do live in those climates where their pet may be outside and need water, or there are dogs that do live outside, you know, whether they're, um, you know, sled dogs um, or what have you, they may be outside and need a, and the access to water. You just want to make sure they have a heated water source. What's, um, what's the water dog
1: water. that carries the, the, uh, the St. Saint Bernard? St. Saint Bernard, Saint Bernard. That's yeah. a, yeah, that the whiskey though That's
2: whiskey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but you know the other thing I think a lot of people forget is grooming in the winter and people think you shouldn't groom because you don't want to cut their hair off and there's a lot of things that get neglected so I think the gift of a professional grooming can Ooh. also be a great thing and Joey yeah. did not pay me to say that so. <laughs> that's,
1: that's actually not a bad idea you know Ladybug is a wash-and-wear dog, but once a year. You know, it's like a spa treatment. It might not... uh, Yeah, she'd probably enjoy it. Yeah, she probably would enjoy it. Now, do you actually put your dogs in sweaters, Dr. Debbie?
2: I do put my little guy in sweaters, but we have some limitations. He likes kind of more like the armless shirts or jackets. Um, Anything that constricts his arms, he is not a fan of, so... Um, like like the armless tanks. He loves that. Um, he does have wool sweaters. Um, It just really depends. He's not. Uh, he doesn't love it, but he realizes he needs it when it gets around 20, 30 degrees out.
3: You know, my little dog, all I do is just hold up the sweater, and I put it over her head, and she puts her legs in she on knows. her own. Oh. Yes, yeah, she, she does it on her own. I just put it over her head, and she puts in one leg, and then she puts in the other leg. And so she
1: likes wearing the sweater? She,
3: I, she doesn't.
2: She doesn't um, complain. Protest. Doesn't no.
1: protest. No,
3: she doesn't. I think she likes it.
2: Okay.
1: Well, I guess I shouldn't complain. about Yeah.
2: Hell, you're going to be a hard sell. I think the dog boots may not go over with you if we can't sell you in a sweater. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, no, I understand the dog boots because everybody's putting like salt on the sidewalks when there's snow, oh, and uh, that's yeah. salt, and some of it has chemicals in it, and the dogs are licking their their feet. So I can completely understand the booty thing. You know who we have on the phone is Denise James. Hi, Denise. How are you doing?
11: Hey, Hal. I'm good, thank you. How are you all doing? It's I, I'm just sitting here like daydreaming, listening to you. It's like my
1: cup of tea, talking about animals. I just love it. That's what I understand you do for a living. Uh, where are you? Where do you live? Well, now we're in Tennessee. I was
11: living in upstate New York, and I was on a radio program there for about three years, and then they closed. And then, actually, I was bitten by a, a pit bull, so I had to take some time off and... Um, uh, I never lost hope and they stitched me up and, uh, my mouth and I was better. So Your it was mouth? A difficult. Yeah, he was, it was actually a family member's dog and, uh, Ooh. I have no hard feelings, but, um, he was at my feet and I'm very intuitive and I just kept saying, you know, look away, Denise. People ask me what breed because I don't say and he was a pit bull mix. And uh, I never went around there. Everyone was nervous of him. He was growling. You know, and it, this is what I say on several shows. You have to be responsible. Even my chihuahuas, I had 13 dogs. Now I'm down to seven. Whoa. But you know, uh. they're little yappers and they can lick and they're annoying and you know, to other people. So you have to be responsible and put them in another room. And then I did another show on that. How to keep them out of a party, but include them. So I looked down, and he looked up at me, actually, first, and then I looked down, and I just said, hello, boy, and I said his name, and, and he just leapt up and went, ah, and grabbed oh. the left side of my bottom lip. Now, took out a chunk, so I know sewing, so I know that sewing a seam together is easy. I didn't care about a scar, but I, like an old person without teeth, I was sliding my tongue through anyway, long story short, went to the hospital, uh, everyone said it was bad, it was bad. Then uh, this amazing doctor came in and I said, can you can you do this? And he said, sure. I said, have you done this before? He said, well, I take cancer out of people's mouths. I said, do you do facelifts? <laughs> he said, I knew if he did a facelift, he would do the scar, the seam really good. And he goes, oh yeah. I said, oh good, you'll do it now. And I was perky and happy because I never lost faith. It's made me aware and I'm like, why me? And I'm like, why not me? But I think because I'm in this animal industry that it's made me more aware. Because I put my face in horses, in cows, in, in dogs, everyone's face. Now, what do you, what do, you do when you get aware.
1: around this dog
8: again?
11: Well, I, I haven't seen him, and I, um, he's not here anymore. I didn't ask him to be euthanized. Um, and that's a new law that's coming out right now with Jim Tudis going upstate New York. They're trying to fight that after a dog bites once. Don't use the you know, get them treatment, give them a chance, whatever. So that's another law that's coming out. But um, I, it left it a year, and then uh, the insurance company with them would not cover them again unless the dog was put to sleep. Now that's, or they take it out of the house. Now, if that was me, I would have found a loving home for him. Um, it was difficult. He was only two. Wow. It was wow. not the dog's fault. It was the owner and the responsibility of every single pet owner i don't care if it's a docile dog animals have a mind of their own even Uh. my guys they talk to each other you know i'm intuitive i can pick up on what they're about to do and say and they do talk to each other i had a yorkie and a chihuahua that kept fighting with each other she kept telling the other one how pretty she was because she's got long hair (laughs) mommy loves me more
1: no mommy doesn't we are with Denise James. She loves herself some animals. Do you think you're over the top at all?
11: Um, I am so obsessed that I won't eat because I'm in the middle of finding the correct dog bed. Or I put my head in the birdcage when I'm decorating it for my parrot. And I'm, Do you like that? <coughs> if I look that way. That, I'm and on shelves. I have to have... I am totally... Obsessive. My Are, husband is the most patient person yeah. in the world.
1: <laughs> That's that was my next question. You're you're a married woman, and does he does he have the passion for animals like you do, or is he very well, tolerant? He
11: does, but I just went away to see my horse uh, in Maine, and uh, I left left him in charge because my special needs girl passed away before we moved, mm. and I had an old pug, fifteen and a half, passed away, and a boxer. But it's funny, they all. Left, I always say uh, they leave. I don't like the, the term put them down or euthanize. I just say I help them to leave, and then they go on to their next life. Um, so I had a list a mile long. And I come back, and I don't use kibble or anything, but it's a really good one, and they're, it's humanely used. And, and I'm, what is this bag half used, and you opened a new one? <laughs> I don't know. I said, well, why didn't you use that that said that? I didn't know what a round was. I said, then why didn't you ask me? So anyway, he was a good boy. He had to put drops in one of the dog's eyes, but here's a good boy. He He has been my sole support of this whole animal and it's been all my life all my life
1: <laughs> and he's a good so, boy he's a good boy so huh? we, we we don't have he a lot of time died. here we don't have a lot of time here and it's apparent that okay. one show is not going to be enough for you uh, but uh, uh, I, I have I to
11: love you guys i want to be right there near you <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're so out of time here but i'm having so much fun with you we're going to have you on again i like how the beginning of the call by the way she's you're in uh, north carolina south carolina tennessee, tennessee. Where you should have the uh, southern. You should, uh-huh. you should have a southern draw here in the next six months or so. But you started the phone call.
11: Oh, uh, I, I can do one pretty good. Yep, yep. We're, yeah. we're near Nashville, but I, I can
1: pretty much do. And you started this phone call with it. a New York accent and then you ended with the Australian accent.
11: <laughs> well, see, when I get relaxed, it's funny. When I talk to my sister on the phone in Australia, I get off there and I'm real Australian. And when I was doing acting and I was trying to. To do American act, you know, commercials and things when I first arrived in America, um, they would say, Why are you doing Southern? I said, I don't know what Southern is, but I would go into a Southern drawl
1: and it was just funny. So, yeah. <laughs> Denise, thank I, you so I, much I for, for spending time with thing. us. We're going to do it again, okay? The website, Let's Talk Animals thank with you. Denise we will put links to everything you've heard over at animalradio.pets, and we're going to head back to the phones next.
8: This is Animal Radio, baby.
12: Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. To see Lacey the American Bulldog Mix now, you'd never guess that behavioral problems landed her on death row at the animal shelter. But thanks to Mixed Up Mutts, a nonprofit dog rescue organization founded by Chris and Sarah Stevens, Lacey was sent to prison to be trained by inmates in a pet obedience program called Prison Tales. Prison Tales pairs two inmates with a hard-to-handle dog for an intensive 12-week training program aimed at making an unadoptable dog adoptable. And it's working. Lindy Goetz of Mongo, Indiana, who heads up the program, says it's a win-win situation. The animal benefits, the inmate benefits, the institution benefits, and the adopting family gets a well-trained pet. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people, too. Animal Radio.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log
6: on, learn more. This is a time-sensitive message from the Back Pain Relief Hotline. Millions of people across the nation are suffering from back pain. Are you? Are you on Medicare? Is it hard to walk, to bend over, or even do simple things? Well, we have great news. If you're on Medicare, you could qualify to receive a pain-relieving back brace. We'll handle all the Medicare paperwork if you qualify and ship your new back brace right to your door. Make sure you have your Medicare card ready and please call Call us right now and get all the details. It only takes a few minutes. Imagine doing everything you used to do before your back pain. With your Medicare card ready, call the Back Pain Relief Hotline today.
7: Call now. 800-254-3218. 800-254-3218. 800-254-3218. That's 800-254-3218. Paid for by the Health Alert Hotline. Hi, I'm Dan Aykroyd. Have the happiest of holidays.
2: This is Heather Lockler wishing you all the merriest Christmas.
14: Hey, this is Sean Hayes on Animal Radio. Remember to spay and neuter your pets.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
1: Hi, Leslie. How are you?
9: Hi, fine, thank you. How are you? I love your show.
1: Thank you. Where are you calling from?
9: I'm calling from New York City.
1: Oh, New York City! what What's going on there today? How can we help you?
9: It's a busy weekend. Here's what Here's what the deal is. I have a wonderful elderly guy. He's, his name is Henry, and he's a Chihuahua Fox Terrier. I rescued him many years ago when he was thrown out of a car and run over on the highway. Oh, and oh. he's had a life full of chiropractic and acupuncture and herbs and supplements, and he's just an awesome little guy. He is starting to lose his hearing and his vision a little bit. The smell is not great, and he's developed very intense separation anxiety when I'm not home, and I cannot seem to comfort him. And okay. he just howls like a coyote when I'm home. Um And he won't take comfort from my partner, who he loves. We've gone through liquid Prozac, um vetroscience composure, Chinese herbs called Shen calm. Nothing seems to calm him or help him. So my question is, is there something I can do to comfort him, reassure him, help him not feel so upset like I've left him when I go out of the house?
2: Sure, yeah. And and certainly, I I have a couple questions there. When he... Tell me exactly what he's doing. Is he just vocalizing when he's left alone, or are there other behaviors Um, he's doing?
9: He's vocalizing a lot. Um, He also now is starting to wander a little bit. Um, He gets a little disoriented, and my vet has checked, and he will come right out of it if I show him a little food. So it's not like he's uh, mimicking Alzheimer's or going into Alzheimer's full-time, but he does get a little confused. And part Mm -hmm. of it, she thinks, is that he can't hear very well and he doesn't see so well. So he gets a little disoriented.
2: Okay. And that's kind of the challenge, and that was where I was going with things, is because there's the, what we call separation anxiety, which is really a function of um, that overwhelming fear of being left alone. And yes. dogs with that will destroy things around the house. They chew. They may have house-soiling problems. They may vocalize. He did that,
9: he did that when he was younger, and he, okay. did, he long since stopped any of that behavior.
2: Okay. The challenge is that that can come on especially when we have a loss of some of the senses so even if a pet never did that as a youngster we can see that come on as a geriatric pet the other thing was you mentioned the cognitive dysfunction or basically what we called you know doggy senility and in that age group i'd say that's a very high um possibility that there's that's playing a role here and that's a little bit more typified with you know some confusion anxiety um you know kind of loss of orientation in their world Um, Sometimes the house soiling can come along with that Kind of they forget some of their normal
9: he's He's got low levels of all of that So we think he's in a very early stage We're not sure Okay
2: so if we think we may have both of these uh, components going on, uh, not that Prozac's a bad drug, but um, it might be worthwhile to actually see if we can work towards something that's a little bit more for cognitive dysfunction. And okay. um, there's a medication called Selegiline or Anapril that we can use for that. The challenge is on Prozac, you got to have a weaning down period of about three weeks
4: right.
9: before right.
2: we can switch over to that. The other thing that I would suggest, and you can either continue the Prozac and add this other one in, is um, Alprazolam, and it's kind of like in the Valium family, and I use it a lot for senior pets that have nighttime problems especially, high anxiety problems, and you can use that either with the Prozac or switch off the Prozac, get over to this Anapril, and add the um, Alprazolam in at the same time. That can be very helpful for some of these just really just We've already weaned
9: him off the Prozac slowly, so he's been off it for several weeks. He actually was worse on it than off it. Yeah, yeah. And we took him off it about over four or five weeks, very slowly.
2: Fabulous. Okay, so I'd say that would be worth uh, worth a try is the anapril-alprazolam combination. Now, some of the natural things, and I'm not all the most hip on herbs, but I can tell you things like the uh, calming pheromones, uh, the DAP hormone, can be very useful as well. And in some pets also, there's some diets. If we're gearing towards the cognitive dysfunction that are enhanced in fatty acids, it can actually help with cognitive awareness and uh, the hills... um, line does make one along those lines uh called bd so those might be some other things but i, I think we could do some different things pharmacy wise that might be maybe a bit more helpful and, and geared towards some of the kind of the senior moments if you will that that we might okay. be having
9: so all right well thank you i'll, I'll talk to my vet about the anapilla al and see
1: what we can do for him
9: thank you for your okay, call I'll leslie and it. thanks for listening thank to animal radio
1: bye, great bye. Show. thank you thank you it's a great show it's a great show. This is the first time I've ever heard it, but it's a great show. <laughs> I, I've actually only been listening five minutes, and so far it's been a great show. Uh, not really five <laughs> minutes, maybe four minutes. But it's been great. Stuff it, Hal. Okay, before we go, because I couldn't think of any better use of airtime, during the break earlier, Dr. Debbie impressed us all with her possum imitation. And uh, will, you do, will you please do the possum imitation?
3: <laughs> is that what they do? No, I don't know. That's
2: more of a ferret I was doing, I guess.
3: I don't <laughs> ferrets do that noise too, huh? Yeah, they do that.
1: What's your ferret imitation, Judy? <laughs> Completely different. I think yeah, you guys need to get your ferrets <laughs> in line.
3: I see the angry ferrets when I'm drawing blood, so it's a whole different thing. It's <laughs> not like angry birds. There should be an angry ferret game. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's all we have time for today. If you need your fix during the week, head on over to AnimalRadio.pet. And don't forget, if you have a Shih Tzu, a Pug, a Mini Schnauzer, or a Yorkshire Terrier, check out Dr. Debbie's books, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend. We put links over at AnimalRadio.pet. Have a great week.
13: Bye-bye. Bye.